Welcome to Retirement Unlimited with Randy Barkley and Jeremiah Lee. This is a program where we discuss life's hard financial questions to help you make smart decisions about your money. I'm a certified financial planner and Jeremiah is a California licensed attorney. We work together at Tricord Advisors. Tricord is a registered investment advisory firm where we help our clients build the life that they love. If you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on future episodes, just send us an email. Use the contact button on our website, retirementunlimited.com, or just give our office a call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011. Good morning. I'm Randy Barkley, and I'm here with Jeremiah Lee, and we're here to discuss life's really difficult choices. Um, I'm a certified financial planner, and Jeremiah is also certified, but he's also a licensed attorney. And we're going to talk about contemporary issues, things that are going on in the news today, obviously with a financial emphasis because we're financial planners. But today we're talking about, you know, all this talk about recession is starting to scare people, mm. you know. And I guess the question is, what do, what do you think the certainty is, is that we're going to have a recession? And, of course, we don't know. We're sitting here trying to make estimates and we're reading the tea leaves just like everybody else is. But we're having a full employment recession. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's just an odd animal. Which is, my understanding, has never happened before. Right. We haven't had a full employment recession. Recession. And, you know, from a fair amount of measures, when you talk about a recession, that's happened, right? We've clicked over that amount to say we're now in a recession. But the I, the question is, how long will this last? When will it, when will we come out of it? Um, and, and is it going to get deep? Like, that's the scary part for right. everybody. If this right. is just a minor recession, we turn around from here, people are going to be okay. If we've still got another leg down, it's going to be troublesome. So, I mean, some of the things we've been looking at um, are conflicting. You know, like you said, we have really low unemployment, right? which for a recession is odd. And so odd that this is a unique case, that we are fully employed and the economy might just be crawling along. Yeah, and the, a lot of economists are talking about what they refer to as the participation rate. And a lot of this occurred when we had COVID and people retired early. Mm-hmm. They said this was a good time to step out and they moved away from their job and they moved into retirement. But they also got money. Companies got money and individuals got money. And this added to, I guess it created slack. I mean, people have the ability then to not work. Mm-hmm. But then when they had that money, think about it, they could go out and spend it. So within the services community and other goods and they wanted to buy, they started to buy more. But then there was this pullback in participation rate. There wasn't the number of people that were working as they were before. And now all of a sudden we got this unemployment participation problem, Mm -hmm. but we got this demand for goods and services that Mm -hmm. that have climbed dramatically. So um, we have now what we call is, is we have potentially a recession with full-blown employment, which yeah. is just really odd. It's an right. odd ca- characteristic. And what, what does that mean for everybody? Does that mean right. we're going to come out quicker? Does that mean we're going to it's going to take longer? Does that mean we have no tools to, to fix it? I think there's a lot of questions, and we, we can talk with clients on a regular basis of these types of questions. And some of them there's good answers to. Um, some of them there there's not. I think the, the question that I get the most is, how long is this going to last? Right. Or kind of, when, when do we know it's done, I guess is the better one. When do we know this is done? And we're going to talk about a few of them. There's a few kind of telltale signs that people use, but the reason that they're not absolute is because they're not always there. Right. So a big one, you know, people might hear on the radio or talking heads or even your own advisors to say that, that investors have to capitulate. And, you know, retail folks who are 
you in the market. They just have to give up and say, ah, oh, I can't take it anymore. It's too much. I've lost. I'm out. In other words, the fear level reaches so high that particularly small investors, they just say, I got to get out. I can't, I can't stand the pain anymore. I can't stand the emotional upheaval. And they just hit the sell button. It doesn't make any difference what's at the other end of that button. They say, get rid of it, get me out of it. Yeah. And we're, you know, a lot of it, a lot of, I guess, professional investors are kind of looking for that, that, that point, that right? Button. And the, the idea that sometimes that happens, you know, sometimes there's so much pain in the market, you see, sometimes people call it the market puke. <laughs> you know, it, everyone just gives up and gives in, and then from there it turns around and goes up. But it doesn't always do that. You know, sometimes no. it just kind of peters along and then takes off. We were talking this last week with some economists of whether we're, you know, have one more leg down to go or for the bottom or two more legs. I mean, there's some uncertainty there. And if, if it was certain, if people could decide that there's just one triggering factor, it would, it would be easy to, to peg, but it's not. The, the other aspect is people will sometimes say, well, stock prices have to get cheaper relative to the earnings they have. They, they call the, the price to earnings ratio. That just has to come down. And it's coming down as, as the markets fall. But there's been a number of recessions where the earnings came down with the prices and that, that price to earnings ratio didn't really get to some magic number and they yeah. end up turning around. You got to remember that a lot of the information that they have historically was based upon when when interest rates were higher. Mm. So mortgage rates uh, have been, I mean, right now mortgage rates are somewhere in the fives. So on a 30-year mortgage, you can borrow, if you're a qualified borrower, you can borrow somewhere around five and a half, five point six percent 5.6%. But historically, that's, a, that's actually a pretty modest mortgage rate as compared to what it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And those factors come back in to determine stock or the P.E. ratio, the valuation. So a lot of analysts have said, wait a minute, with interest rates this low, stocks could rise higher than what they have in Mm -hmm. other Mm -hmm. times in comparison. And I think to some degree, that's what's going on. Yeah, that's a piece of it. And as interest rates go back up, we might see some natural falling of prices to say interest rates are getting back to you know, a, a more normal level um, that might lower prices. I mean, that, that can yeah, be part of it. And, and, and you know as well as I do, the bond, we look at not only the current bond rates, but we also look at the five and 10-year. Mm-hmm. But that's telling us that inflation is not a major factor in the bond market. The bond market is actually a stronger indicator of where uh, inflation is going to be than the stock market. And if we look at the 10-year, the 10-year is settling in at about 3% or so. It's not something that is considered, uh, I guess, falling off the rails. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of uh, indicators that would indicate that inflation is not going to be as strong uh, as a lot of people feared. In fact, a lot of things are coming down. Lumber's coming down. Copper's coming down. We've seen oil prices come down. A lot of these key com- uh, components that drive inflation are starting to drop. Yeah. Again, labor costs are still higher because there's just a lack of people working, right? Right. And the the, the disconnect is that we just had a uh, inflation report come out, and I think it was what nine percent, nine. Yeah. But remember, inflation reports are they're lagging indicators, not forward indicators. Yeah, so that's a good comment. And so you see, you know, inflation going up, but some of these <clears throat> commodity prices coming down. Oils come off its highs. You know, it, it's it's mixed signals, and I think it is we get mixed an signals. Economy, we're getting mixed signals from various, you know parts of the market with full employment generally, you know, very low unemployment, and the economy, you know, still moving forward, but potentially this snail's pace. It it's a unique moment. And one of the things that go ahead, kid. But I mean this week, I mean, we've seen the market go through a lot of volatility. I mean the market was negative for so many days and then all of a sudden earnings reports come out on Friday 
and the market took off. It's up mm-hmm. over 600 points. It jumped almost 2%, which seems so diametrically opposed to what, what happened earlier in the week. Right. But it was the initial earnings from you know uh, Goldman Sachs as well as from J.P. Morgan Chase. But then other banks did okay. They yeah. did okay. So well, on that comment, I mean, getting away from some of the doom and gloom you hear probably on a lot of the news, there's some really good news. One of them is, is exactly that, that it used to be probably three, four months ago, any negative news and the stock price would just plummet. Right. We saw that, I mean, Netflix came out, had you know less than desirable earnings and subscriber base, and they fell significantly. Well, this last week, uh, Mark Zuckerberg came out with Facebook and came out to say, uh, you know, had some negative news, saying this is one of the worst markets ever, and their 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 stock fell 1%. Right. It wasn't a significant, um, you know, even with this very bad news coming out from the CEO, it wasn't a, a significant event. So I think that that's part of it. The other thing that, that's useful is you're seeing company buying back their own stock. So they see this as a, as a good deal, in essence, at the moment. Um, the, the other thing I think is just interesting that, that I think that a lot of people are missing is right now there's $27.8 trillion in home equity in the United States. That, that, that's huge. That's the highest ever. Ever. And so to, to, a lot of people see that and say, well, you know, new homeowner, home buyers can't get in. Yes, that, that's an issue. But for a lot of other folks who own homes, they're in the highest equity positions um, they, they've ever been in the history of our country, and then you can, and then you combine that with the amount of cash that people have. I'm talking not talking about companies because companies have a lot of cash too, but but individuals. There's just a lot of slack. There's a lot of excess capacity that's within the marketplace that would be that would you know I, we're not as fearful of a recession as some some people would yeah. would uh, predict. I guess and and a long recession. So part of one of the things I want to talk about as well is I think I mentioned on the radio kind of the last time was when we talked through how long recessions last and you know historically there, there's some averages that, so one of them is is you know peak to trough you know from the top to the bottom um, it, it's, it's generally 16 months from the bottom back to the top it's generally 24 months um, and the whole thing you know, on average is, is 40 months so 40 months for a, um, a recession so but but that's a, that's the average so to really dive average. into that a little bit so back in uh, let's see 2007 2008 it was 65 months, you know, when it kind of fell apart, 65 months before things were back to the peak. That's peak to peak. Um, back in the 1980s, 1980, 1987, it was like 23 months. So just about two years before we were back to the top. People remember 2000, uh, the dot-com bubble, it was 86 months. It's really long. And so, and then more recently, you talk about how the markets are moving faster. March of 2020, you know, not that long ago, yeah. it was six months. Six months before we were back to the peak of when it fell. Yeah, that's what we back. refer to as a V recovery. It went down very radically, but it also recovered radically. Yeah. And um, it's it's unusual to see the markets respond that quickly. But of course, a lot of that came from government stimulus. The government pumped yeah. a lot of money into the marketplace. Yeah, and the world responded you know, to COVID. Yeah. And that was a, a shock item. So with that, you know, when you think through, a lot of our clients talk through their portfolios, if you can't you know, handle a, a two to three year struggle where the market's down, well then that's money that should probably be in a savings account or a CD, right. not in the market. But when you're able to stomach and, and financially endure through a three, four, five year um, recession, then you know, statistically speaking, you're able to be fully invested in the market. And when something like this comes along, you hold tight and you hold on to the ship and you re- take the opportunities to rebalance if you need to but not to exit the market, not to flood, not to have these emotional reactions. Yeah, we co- we constantly review our holdings to make sure that we feel comfortable with the positions and the allocations that we have right now. 
Uh, again, what we've done is we've selected assets. We knew that interest rates would go up. We didn't know how rapid they would go up. We knew that inflation was coming. We just didn't know exactly how much inflation was coming. Remember that word was called transitory. Nobody's talking about transitory anymore. They feel like it's more embedded within things. Inflation will go away. I think the Federal Reserve is is really, um, their, their primary concern is not employment. Their primary concern is bringing inflation under, mm -hmm. under check. And I, I think because they're so focused on that, inflation will come down. They'll come down to probably by the end of this year, by for sure by next year. Mm -hmm. It'll come back down to a, what, what I consider historical numbers, yeah. 2 to 3%, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, so. and it'll be interesting to see as we get back to normal inflation what that does for the economy. You know, if, if the inflation type aspect will endure despite having regular inflation, or if it you know, picks back up. I mean, the, the hope with, with bringing down inflation is that the economy has a steady pace. Right. You know, when it's going too fast, things we get inflation, it gets too hot. When it goes too slow, we, you know, we call it a recession. It, it, it's really that, that medium constant growth is what we're looking for. And that's that, that, that growth in productivity, growth in the economy is what allows people to have jobs, get reasonable raises, um, have some, be able to move jobs. And that's that kind of uh, liquidity we want in the markets. Yeah, I mean, again, I think for a lot of people, particularly in household formations, this is a really difficult time. Yeah. I mean, if you live in Southern California and you're just starting out in life, you're recently married, and and if you don't have an inheritance or help from your family, if you're working what I consider a normal nine to five and building your your family, um, it is virtually impossible to get into a house right now. Yeah. To save up the twenty percent that's necessary to get into the down payment, you know, to um, you know to, to raise a family, the obligations to not only that your wife, your spouse, your husband, your children. It is. I mean, we recognize that, and we think that for, particularly on the East Coast and the West Coast, we're turning into a nation of renters. We're not yeah. turning into because home ownership is becoming less and less viable for a lot of families just starting out. So that's going to be a hard part to uh, swallow, so to speak. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and kind of guiding through. So if you want to know more about these topics or you want to kind of put together a plan, give us a call. It's nine five one six eight four seven zero one one. You can go to our our website, retirementunlimited.com. If you have a topic you'd like us to discuss on a future episode, uh, feel free to leave it below in the comments or go to our website, retirementunlimited.com. You know, retirement is supposed to be a secure time. Are you secure? Do you and your loved ones have the information needed to make the right decisions about retirement? You need counsel, not another salesperson, an advisor that looks out for your interest more than theirs. This is Dennis Prager, and I'd like you to call Randy Barkley, a certified financial planner, who's been serving the Inland Empire for over 26 years. He's a retirement specialist who works for you on all the important and often confusing things that determine how comfortable you are in retirement. Call Randy Barkley for a free consultation and learn for yourself what I've learned he can be trusted. Randy Barkley, 888-627-8371, 888-627-8371. Eight three seven one, or visit me, Randy Barkley, at retirementunlimited.com. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM five ninety, the answer. Welcome back, everybody. What we're going to talk about in this next segment is um, if you're if you're fifty five to sixty five years of age and you're healthy. Should you be concerned or should you even have a thought about what your health care needs are going to be as you get older? Yeah. And, and I find it is a lot of, um, 
I, what I consider putting your head in the sand, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the, the good idea, bad idea. You know, should you create this network for your care now? And, you know, it's kind of a hard question because you know, the is. answer is yes, of course, you, know, you should do stuff like that. But um, the sentiment is that we as Americans love our independence, especially as folks age. Mm-hmm. You know, kids are doing their own things. Um, if, if kids are financially stable, the parent generation really wants to be independent, live on their own. And there's some beauty to that. And for people in their you know, 50s, 60s, that is usually the, the not to say the dream, but kind of. You know, their kids are doing great things. They see their grandkids. But we run into a lot of clients who start to um, run into the things that matter more in life. And they say, you know, I, I really want to be close to my grandkids. We've had a number of, of clients who have either left the state or come came into the state <laughs> to be around uh, their family. grandkids. Yeah. Their family. And, and when people are healthy, it seems like they can make this choice. But inevitably, as we age, you need that support. And that support, I think people automatically jump to like in-home care, but it's not just that. It's emotional support. It's having someone to go to a doctor's appointment with you. It, it, it's a lot of those things. It, it, and it's, it's as trivial as having somebody cook, you know, preparing the meals. I find that uh, my experience has been that when particularly a, a, a widower, a man, he starts to lose weight almost instantly mm. uh, because nobody's preparing a meal. He doesn't like to cook for just himself. You you go by restaurants and you see elderly people that are sitting there by themselves. Oftentimes they're, you know, I wouldn't consider it's a happy thing. They're just doing the necessity yep. of eating. But staying at home, they don't prepare the the kind of meals that they should be prepared on time. That's where Meals on Wheels is such a great uh, uh, option for a lot of people because at Service. least they get in front of them a meal. But just the basic aspects of taking care of yourself. And then we find this with couples. Jeremiah, I can't tell you the number of times I've seen couples where they say, well, I'll take care of you. And it's husband and wife. But if you're both in your 80s and one of them is trying to take care of the well spouse is taking care of the ill spouse, I see the well spouse, their health dropping Mm. significantly and the and the ill spell they kind of like even out for whatever reason interesting but it it's it's hard to take care of somebody at that level you right. know well and to feel especially the married couple analogy um for example of someone who knows they want the best for their spouse and then realizes i'll do that for you and then now that they're a bit older now right. they're maybe in their 80s right. realizing they can't give they can't provide to their spouse what they wanted to so the answer here isn't just, you know, get long-term care insurance or hire someone or whatnot, but it is, I think in, in these ages, for a lot of people, 50s and 60s and, and even 70s, of building that network of, you know, who are the people in your life that if, if for some reason your spouse were to pass away, who are you going to go to dinner with? You know, who are friends that come alongside you? What family members are there? You know, are you able to play with your grandkids? Do you actively choose to play with your right, grandkids right. to build those relationships and that, that you know, one, it's good in the moment, right? It's good for your family, but as people age, to, to acknowledge this level of independence that we all like as Americans kind of needs to shift a bit. And that doesn't mean you're going to move in with your kids or they're going to move in with you, but to have some of those conversations of w- what this could look like as you go forward and what you want and start building those pieces now. Yeah, and what other communities, if you don't have a family, I mean, I have got some clients who just don't have any children and they don't have any direct relationships. How do you build a community of people around? Now, again, the obvious answer would be, you know, church would be a, a, a place where people would build community. Yeah, civic and, involvement, people who are on right. charities or boards. Right. But I think there's other organizations that you can become involved with. I mean, senior centers is probably one. You reach a certain age and becoming involved with. What you do is you interface with people with, with the same age and the same circumstances, and you start to create 
this pattern of helping out with each other. There's some organizations like, for example, started in Boston where they would literally create this loosely held, um, I, I call it an intimate association, but they would watch over and they would take mm. care of one another mm-hmm. because the family wasn't there to do that. And it's, it's, it's a very unique situation. I'd like to see more of that in our backyard. I don't see it as informally as I'd like to see. Yeah. I, I think it should happen. Yeah. Well, but anyway. Where I say it here in the last two neighborhoods I've lived in, there's been older, a single person who's lost their spouse and they're a bit older. And the neighborhood, the good old fashioned neighborhood has yep. rallied around them. Um, and you know, there's a woman we used to live next door to that she would come over for Christmas and Easter. She had family, but they were up north. So she'd come over and you know participate with our family. There's another neighbor who would go over and do handyman stuff at her place. And I think that's, in my mind, good old fashioned America of caring for your neighbors. And it's knowing your neighbors. No, yeah, that, that's where it starts, right, I guess. Right, you gotta know your neighbors. And a lot of that starts with maybe having a Christmas party, having a block party, having, yeah. you know, just having a, you know, and it doesn't have to be a special time like Christmas. You just say, I'm, I'm just gonna invite a bunch of people over. What, what we found in our neighborhood is how many people had lived next to each other for literally decades and mm. didn't know them. Interesting. So what my wife and I did, what we did is we had people over to our house for Christmas, kind of an open house, and it was it was really wonderful to to see them kind of sit next to each other and get to know them. And they've yeah. been seeing each other across the street, so to speak, but really didn't know them. Right. And that, uh, and that goes a long way in when, you know, Frank leaves leaves on John's yard or whatever. Right. Yeah, those type of things that become neighborly issues, but once right. you build some sort of rapport with them, yeah, that, that in the little things, it's petty and it's tough. But I think as people age, when there's a real need, I think it's beautiful when neighborhoods can rally around somebody. Yeah, I mean, you talk about people wanting to be independent, but also they just they go in their, their uh, garage, they, they open the garage door, they shut the garage door, and they don't visit their neighbors. Right. It's really important to reach out. And what we found during COVID is that we would reach out to our neighbors, particularly those that we knew that were kind of isolated, mm-hmm. and we'd call them and say, do you need anything? I'm going to the store. I, I Can I pick up some you know, prescriptions for you. Is there something that I can do for you while I'm out because I'm able? But more importantly, oftentimes they would say, no, I'm taken care mm-hmm. of. I've got this done. But it was just that reaching out was just a hand across the, the you know, the phone to say, mm-hmm. we care about you. Yep. We want to make sure everything's okay with you. Right. you and, that, and that community, whether it's, like you said, through a, a, a church, a religious organization, through a civic organization, through your own neighborhood, right? if that starts when you're 85 and needing things, you know, that's a very different relationship than if it starts right. in your 60s and 70s and you become a shoulder to shoulder, you know, community right. with those people. Right. And then as, you know, someone gets older, them or you, to be able to lean in and care for them. I mean, that, that's a great place to be. It, it's, it's important to have these relationships. And again, as financial planners, we ask these questions. We can't create these relationships, but what we try to do is stress the need to have relationships in your life so that when something happens, it's not a surprise. We have an action plan, we know where we're going, we know what we're gonna be doing, and we know who to become involved. Even if it's reaching out to people that are out of state, we have those connections, we like to have family meetings, we bring people in together, and we help to do that for them. Yep, that's right. Uh, If there's, uh, wanna continue this conversation, have any questions for us, feel free to give us a call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011. Or you can go on our website, retirementunlimited.com. May you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening.
Information and ideas discussed on this program are in the nature of general comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Do not constitute legal or financial advice and do not create an attorney, client, or fiduciary relationship. Any examples or circumstances discussed are fictional. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor, tax consultant, or attorney, as well as conduct their own due diligence prior to making any decisions. Investments involve risk and the possibility of loss, including the loss of principal. All situations are different and results may vary. Randy Barkley is a California life insurance agent California license number 0518567. And Jeremiah Lee is a California licensed attorney and is responsible for this communication. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisory firm. Hi, this is Hugh Hewitt. Hey, if you're retired or approaching retirement, listen up. Retirement planning is critical to your financial health. And like choosing the right doctor, your financial planner must be able to understand your concerns, help you navigate through your retirement, which can be filled with uncertainty, volatility. Certified financial planner Randy Barkley has been assisting clients for 30 years by helping them understand all the information that to most of us can be overwhelming. Go to retirementunlimited.org or call Randy Barkley for a no-obligation appointment at 888-627-8371. That's 888-627-8371, retirementunlimited.org. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB.